Welcome to Ponder Exchange, a podcast about Christian faith and armed service hosted by me, Brother Logan Isaac. First Formation is spiritual exercise for high church lowlifes looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join us every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the insolent rise up against me. A band of ruffians seeks my life and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are merciful God and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame. Because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 9 through 17. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know, and so they will be put to shame. Who would fashion a god or cast an image that can do no good? Look, all its devotees shall be put to shame. The artisans, too, are merely human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand up. They should be terrified, and they shall all be put to shame. The ironsmith fashions it and works it over the coals, shaping it with hammers and forging it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line, marks it out with a stylus, fashions it with planes, and marks it with a compass. He makes it in human form, with human beauty, to be set up in a shrine. He cuts down cedars or chooses a home tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it can be used as fuel. Part of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles the fire and bakes bread. Then he makes a god and worships it, makes it in a carved image and bows down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over this half he roasts meat, eats it, and is satisfied. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I can feel the fire. The rest of it he shapes into a god, his idol, bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Save me, for you are my god. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Human beings, of course, swear by something greater than themselves, 
and an oath given as confirmation puts an end to all dispute. In the same way, when God desired to show even more clearly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it by an oath, so that through two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible that God would prove false, we who have taken refuge might be strongly encouraged to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Good morning and welcome to the seventh Friday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. Our readings come to us from Psalm 86, Isaiah 44, and Hebrews 6. The, um, the readings from Isaiah I haven't, I haven't come across before, but it basically is this description of, of uh, the ends, a large part of it is this carpenter is making his own, who's making his own God. And I don't understand the detail that the author goes into, but he talks about like choosing a cedar and fashioning it and burning it for warmth and then making this God. Um, and it, it isn't really clear why we're reading this until we get to Hebrews 6. And uh, the author is, is explaining to their audience um, that God makes a promise by God and that there's nothing greater than that. Um, in fact, it says there's these unchangeable things that we can hope for and hope in because they're unchangeable and because they're God, but also because they are something other than ourselves, something greater than ourselves. Um, and this kind of illuminates the Isaiah passage because this is precisely what's happening. A person is trying to make an oath by themselves, by making a God of their own that they then try and worship. They try and, by creating idols, we make something that we want to be greater than ourselves, but is, because it was made by us, no greater than us. In fact, maybe even subordinate to us or, or below us because it depends on us for its form. Um, and if that's confusing, think of it like this. Um, a long time ago, God, it's crazy, but a long time ago, in the military, you had to shine your boots. We had black leather boots in, in the in the 82nd Airborne, we had jump boots that that sound like you wear them into combat jumps or something, but you're, they're just for parades. It's ridiculous, and they're incredibly uncomfortable, but you have to shine your own boots. And uh, I remember I remember this one guy, just, I, I think like every unit has like one or two of them, and they just, they don't really get it. They're like this kind of hapless creature that, I don't know. Uh, I, and I remember his name, and I'm not going to say it because it's not fair to him, but that his name became synonymous with kind of just can't get right. But he, when he would shine his boots, or at least one time I remember he shined his boots, and they just looked like crap. And his NCO asked, did you shine your boots? And he said, yeah. I mean, they were fine. And he said, the supervisor said, who who checked your work before bringing them to me? And he said, well, well, I checked. 
And this poor guy, this poor guy, like, I mean, I don't know. The Say what you will about him. Um, I don't know if I should feel sorry for him or want to slap him upside the head. Um, and I, at that time, I did a lot of people. Um, but that's kind of what this is. Without breaking out of our own cycles, without breaking out of ourselves, by making something by ourselves, without input, without um, anything like that, um, we're, we're doing what uh, Augustine of Hippo, this 4th century theologian, called navel-gazing. And we do that with God by um, only ever really creating a God, even in our mind, that is not evidenced by the Bible and like just reinforces our own pre-existing beliefs. Um, and it's a very subtle danger. I mean, this guy with the boots, like, he didn't know any better. He really thought he did a good job on his boots. Um, but he didn't get outside of himself um, to ask somebody else who didn't think so highly of his work, um, hey, are my boots good for inspection? He never did that. He just thought, like, probably innocently because he's he just wasn't all there. Um, he just thought, like, well, this is fine. This is fine. You know, the little the dog in the middle of a burning room saying this is fine. Um, and Hebrews reminds us, like, God is that ultimate exterior unchanging force. Um, we can't create gods. We can create idols. We can create totems. We can create um, images or, you know, technology. I don't know, but we cannot create God. And if we really want to, um, to have a relationship with God, it means we have to get out of ourselves. Um, and that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, even just the idea that there is a God. Like, let's say you don't believe or you're struggling to believe um, a God exists entirely apart from us. Um, God has created the universe, and that means that we don't have to. All you know, maintaining this world, we don't have to. Well, that's maybe a uh, misleading statement. We do have to maintain. We are responsible for it. But the sun, we don't have to make sure the sun rises. Um, it just does that because God created it that way. Um, and so the, the beauty of, of this idea of God that Israel gave us and that we, um, we believe as Christians, um, is that God is, um, God is our anchor. Like we can actually attach to and rely upon God. Um, we don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to sit there in the forest, make our little fire with the same wood that we're burning we're, we're creating a little, like, I don't know, figurine and saying, oh, hey, help me stay warm, help feed me. Like, the wood can't do that. God can do that, not just because God created the world, but because God is outside of us and has, frankly, more power than we do. Um, so this, the, the readings are a warning against creating idols and... Um, there's a commandment against it and all these other things. There's a lot of really good reasons not to do that. But one of them, maybe a self-serving reason for not doing that, is that you're not going to get anything out of an idol. They, they, they don't have any power. The only power that they have are the power that we give to them, whether that's our iPhones or, I don't know, our cars, 
um, or our mirrors, they only have the power that we give them. And frankly, we don't have a whole lot of power. But God, uh, who resides outside ourselves and who is, um, you know, in, in the boot shining scenario, they are, God is the judge who will say, oh yeah, that's, that's fine. This is fine. Um, and he looks at shitty shine boots and, and he's like, this is fine. Um, because it's more important, I think, to God to, to, to be in relationship and to bring these broken, messed up little things that we think are great um, and be reminded that, you know, actually they are great. And we can, we can count on um, uh, that, uh, we can count on that actually being true because God is uh, uh, in control and God has more power than we do and God is outside ourselves. Prayer for Guidance from the Book of Common Prayer O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment and light rises up in darkness for the godly, grant us, in all our doubts and uncertainties, the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.